0: Good morning. I'd like to give you a little bit of background as to where this sermon came from. I drive past Princeton High School every Sunday as I come through to to come to church. And during football season, I see all these little gentlemen about this tall out there in their pads. And if they fell down, you couldn't tell if they were standing up or not because they're so wide. And their parents are with them. And this is at 9 o'clock in the morning. And I'm thinking, why aren't they at church? Their passion is football. And it's something that's not lasting. And it made me angry at first. And then I felt sorrow because they didn't realize the importance of being in a place to worship God. And then I started thinking, well, why don't they know? And I thought about us as Christians. And it's like, am I out there helping these people understand what's important in life? Am I helping to prepare? Am I helping them to prioritize their life? And am I helping them to prepare for judgment? And it was really by awakening for me. And Eric said, Do you want to preach? And I said, Well, I think I have something to say this time. And that's where this lesson has come from. So this morning, there are three parables that are told in this area, and every one of them is about being prepared for judgment. This is a parable of the fig tree, this is a parable of the ten virgins. There's also the parable of the talents. We'll be discussing the second one. It was read for us already, and I'd like to give a little bit of definitions before we actually go into the thoughts on this parable. The Jewish nation had a different tradition than what we do with marriage. They had their engagement where the mother and father of each family got together and they decided these two are going to be married. And they make arrangements for that. Whenever the time comes, they're betrothed. And it's almost a legal, well, it is a legal agreement between the two. Because if the husband dies, the woman is considered a widower, a widow. And if the, um, they decide to divorce or not go through with it, it is actually considered a divorce. And that usually lasts about a year so the man can get things ready and there are gifts that are exchanged at this time. And then, on the wedding day, the groom gets all his family together and they go and they fetch the wife. And they go to his, his uh, new house. Not to his father's house, but his new house. He's been preparing this whole time, this whole year. And they become one and they become a family so now we go to the parable of the ten virgins who is the groom the groom is Jesus who are the virgins they are members of the church as it says they are of the kingdom what is the oil the oil is holiness so with these things in mind let's get into this parable Then the kingdom of heaven will be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And the five of them were wise, and the five were foolish. They were fully, the foolish took their lamps, and they had no oil with them. They were not concerned about the holiness that we're supposed to have as Christians. But the wise took oil in their lamps. With their vessels. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go out to meet him. Then all the virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. They got ready, they made sure there was as as much light available as possible. And the foolish said to the uh, wise Give us of your oil. For our lamps have gone out. But the wise answered saying, not so, lest there be not enough for you and us. But rather go to them that sell and buy for yourselves. This tells me that I cannot do things to save you, and you can't do things to save me. It's my responsibility to have holiness in my life. I'm not going to be judged on what you do. You're not going to be judged on what I do. It's going to be your responsibility when the bridegroom comes. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And they, that were ready, went with him to the marriage. And the door was shut. Afterward came also other versions saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. And he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour that the Son of Man cometh. That door is going to be shut one day. And it's never going to be opened again. That's a sobering thought. we don't know that time but we better have our oil ready we better have that lamp trimmed and if we don't what happens we're going to be locked out forever jesus has already done his part we find this in hebrews 9 27 and it is appointed unto man once to die but after this the judgment so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that took that looked to him shall he appear the second time without sin under salvation. He died on that cross. That's all the more he can do. Well, I can't say all the more, because I don't too know too many of us who would give our lives for someone we didn't even know. That's a great amount of love. The love we remembered. At the table this morning. But what's all this? What are we looking forward to? This time that we're supposed to be ready for, what is it? It's judgment. It's when Jesus comes back to gather his church, his bride. And no one wants a bride who decides to go out and cheat on her husband who has no respect for her husband who doesn't obey her husband. Nobody wants a bride like that. Why do we think God would want a bride like that? Let's go to Romans 2, 5 through 11. But after thy hardness and impenitent and tart Treasure stop unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds, to them who by patient countenance are continuance in well-doing for glory and honor in immortality, eternal life. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, for the Jew first and also to the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh to the Jew first and also to the Gentile, for there is no respect of persons with God. If you don't obey God, you're either in one corner or the other. we are actually storing up wrath for ourselves if we don't do what we're supposed to do. Think of the times whenever God judged people in the Old Testament, opening up the earth and swallowing them, having fire come down and burn them up. Imagine having that stored up for you in judgment. That's a horrible thought. The only way around that The only way through that is through Jesus' blood. Let's turn to Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15. This talks about the book of life. We need to have our names written in the book of life. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it, from whose presence heaven and earth fled. And no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things that were written in the books, according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged each one of them according to their deeds. When death and Hades were thrown into the book, the lake of fire, this is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name is not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. What are we going to be judged for? Or by? By the books. Isn't it ironic that Christians... Say, I am tired of preachers and people telling me to read my Bible. Well, if I were going to a test and I hadn't picked up the book and I expected to pass that test, what would you call me? Probably a fool. Because I wouldn't be able to pass that test no matter how hard I tried because I didn't know the material. We are going to be tested and it's going to be out of our out of the books the books is the Bible and there's that third book that's the book of life I want my name written there I don't want it scribbled out I know at one point in my life it was scribbled out and the hopelessness was horrible so what is our goal sure we're going to be judged but what is our goal Revelation 21 verse 4 and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no longer any death there will be no longer any mourning or crying or pain the first things have passed away our life would be totally different I want to go there doesn't that sound like a great place to be no more crying no more pain and the older I get the more I understand about pain and I don't want to endure it forever Turn to Matthew 24, verses 36 through 44. And why am I using so many Bible verses? That's because I'm sure I know what I'm saying is truth. This is what we're going to be judged by, so this is what we have to know. But about that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone for the coming of man will be just like in the days of noah for as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking marrying and giving in marriage until the day that noah entered the ark and they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away so will the coming of the man son of man be at that time there will be two men in the field one will be taken and one will be left two women grinding at the mill One will be taken, and one will be left. Therefore, be on the alert. How many times have we heard that this morning? Be prepared. Be on the alert. For you do not know the day your Lord is coming. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known that at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on alert and would not have allowed his house to be broken into for this reason, you must be ready as well. But the Son of Man is coming in an hour when you do not think He will. When you're doing that sin, oh, I have a few more minutes. It's okay. I'll be able to repent of this. I only do it once. That's whenever Jesus will come back. That's what the Bible says. When you're not the least prepared... And continuing in Matthew 25, verses 31 through 47. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all his angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne, and all the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate them one from another, just as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right hand, and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in, naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you as a stranger and invite you in, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison to come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it for one of the least of these Brothers and sisters of mine, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed people, into eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Not for us, but for the devil. We just happened to be there because we didn't obey him. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I was naked, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they themselves will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or as a stranger or naked or sick or in prison did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it for one of the least of these, you did not do it for me either. These will go away into eternal punishment but the righteous into eternal life. Just think of this scene. Everybody that's ever been born is going to be standing at the judgment seat of Christ. He's going to say, my sheep, my goats. And they're going to say, he's going to say, you did a good job. We wonder at times what our purpose here is on earth. If you read these verses and you can't get your purpose out of life, there's something wrong. If you see someone in need, you take care of that need. That's what Jesus is talking about here. And some people say, when did he do that? When would Then when did we feed you? When did we clothe you? When did we visit you? He's going to say, as much as you did it to the people who are here on this earth, that's when you did it to me. On the other side, people are going to probably be pointing with him, well, I did something, or when did we do this? We didn't see you. Blinders. So many times we walk through life and we don't see what's around us. Is it because we choose not to, or is it because... We just don't care. That's not really loving a person, is it? Matthew 22. Not everyone says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say unto me that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out Demons. And in your name, prepare, perform many miracles. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Leave me, you who practice lawlessness. There's even going to be some people there who thought they did great works. And they're going to be pleading to go to heaven. And they're going to try their very best to convince Jesus that he doesn't know what he's talking about. I did a lot of good things. Look at me. And he's going to be saying, "Uh uh-uh. Because you didn't do it the way I commanded. Very sad day for a lot of people. Majority of people. That book of life, does it have your name in there? I wish we'd be more like the stump that I had in my backyard. The first year I moved down here, I had a tree That's growing by my house. And it was close to the foundation, and the guy who inspected said, You need to get rid of that tree. So we went out, the kids and wife and I, cut it down. We could only cut it down so far because it was growing in one of my fences. And it took me 15 years to kill that thing. I tried everything. I tried, it grew up sprouts, cut them all off, cut them off consistently consistently, for about three or four years. Then it got smart. I don't know if trees can think. But it got smart, and it started sprouting where the roots were. So I cut it off with a lawnmower as much as I could. Well, the next year, it went back to the stump and started growing the stump. So I had heard that if you put salt on something, it will kill it. So I went out with a box of salt, poured the whole thing on it. It killed the grass, but it didn't kill that stump. It kept growing and growing. So I finally thought, I'll do a little research. I don't know if you know, but copper kills plants. So I went out with a hammer and a copper nail, a couple of them in fact. Hammered those nails in there. It was one year and that tree was dead. I still have the remnants of the stump because it's grown into the the fence. Why can't the church be like that? It'd be so hard to kill. It'd be so hard to deplete. But know if we have one thing wrong, if the curtains aren't right or something happens within the building, we're the first one to say, I'm not happy here. I'm moving someplace else. We ought to be more like that stump. We should be growing. We should be so enthusiastic about keeping the stump alive. And I think this is what Jesus is saying whenever he says, I am the vine and you the branches. If we're connected to that vine, it's going to be hard to kill us. But we're more intent like those little boys playing football. We'd rather be playing football on Sunday or out at the beach or Name it, watching TV or sleeping in, than what we are about being connected to the divine. In closing, I'd like to relate to you uh, YouTube. If you want to watch it, it's called Listen, Linda, Listen. Some of you people might have heard it. At first, I thought it was funny. And then it became irritating. And then it made me angry. It seems like I'm angry a lot. <laughs> but the story goes, there's this little boy. He's standing there arguing with his mother. And his mother found him in the cookie jar. He was not supposed to be in the cookie jar. This little boy's going, listen, Linda, listen. And the, and the mom's saying, you were not supposed to be in that cookie jar. And He says, you're not listening to me. Listen, Linda, listen. And then he starts off in these tangents oh, I'm talking about the table, he's talking about other things I couldn't really even understand. And then he starts blaming his cousin, Kevin. And his mom all this time is trying to calmly talk to him, educate him on what he was supposed to be doing. And finally got to the point where she said, I'm going to beat your butt. And he goes, listen, Linda, listen, you're not listening to me. Compare that to our spiritual life. How many times do we go to God and we say, listen, God, listen, I need this, I need this. And he's saying, no, you're not listening to my word. You're not listening to me. Now listen. And we go, listen, God, listen, I need this, I need it now. And he's, God's patient with us and he says, you know, I'm going to have to discipline you. But still yet we come back with the same thing. We act like children and we expect to be treated like adults. This morning I'm giving you a lot to think about. Hopefully, it'll make a difference. John Maxwell, whenever he's giving his speeches, he says, I hope I get to, oh, to you, but he says, I failed if I haven't made a difference in making you do things differently. Hopefully God's word has done that this morning. It's not as though these things are not going to come to pass. If you were a person who gambled, you could gamble with 100% knowledge that this is going to happen. We are all going to die, and we are all going to be judged. And it all depends upon how we act here. What our deeds are as to where we're going to go. And it's not going to be like, well, I have to go to work for eight hours and it's going to hurt. Or I'm going to have a broken bone and it's going to mend. This is forever. We don't even understand forever. But it's going to be forever. We have an opportunity this morning to make things right so we can be with God forever. If you have a need this morning, Or you've never known God and you want to become closer to Him through baptism, you had that opportunity this morning as we stand and as we sing.